lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. And we are produced, as always, by Aaron McIntyre. Coming up on the program today, some breaking news as we got done with yesterday's show. This came out about an hour or two after the show concluded. Anthony Fauci has COVID. Let's stop for a moment of just, no, we're not going to do that. Actually, we're not. We're not going to do that at all. The I believe they said double boosted, jabbed and doubled boosted, four shots. And the near 80-year-old Fauci, I think he actually is 80 years old now. The 80-year-old Fauci, four shots, has COVID. Yes. Which, of course, gentlemen, that just means it's working. There's been... Several questions. Are some of these people like Fauci and high-ranking officials, are they actually taking the COVID vaccine or some saline solution? I actually think this proves that Fauci was taking the vaccine. Ah! It turns out he is the science. Nice. Yes. I mean, how does the science get infected, everybody? How does that possibly happen? Can I, what do you think the odds are that he's just mainlining ivermectin right now? High. (laughs) High. Very high. Yeah. Very high. What an SOB. Yes. Uh, Just like he was mainlining vitamin D the entire time. Yes. Uh, Without telling uh, America about it on a repeated basis. But uh, in the end, Dr. Frankenstein always ends up hating the virus. I'm, I'm sorry. Monster that he created. So you can choose whatever word you want. Schadenfreude, karma, justice. It just sort of speaks for itself, doesn't it? And everything else that I would like to say about this, everything, and I mean everything else that I would like to say about this, would get us all banned and probably the entire platform demonetized. So I will just move on and tell you that coming up at the bottom of the hour, Alex Berenson will join us. I'm sure that he has a take or 12 on Anthony Fauci testing positive for COVID-19. We will do that at the bottom of the hour with him. We'll continue our new series on my latest book, Do What You Believe, or you won't be free to believe it much longer. That is our series that we're doing right now for Theology Thursday. And this week's chapter is on the Declaration of Independence. What do you mean you're doing a theological examination of the Declaration of Independence? Well, when something's entire premise is predicated on what it itself describes as the laws of nature and nature's God At some point, there should probably be some theological examination about what that means, right? And we will do that coming up in the next hour, as well as three non-political questions. I have to begin, though, with another PSA, but this one you will like. Built Bar has launched, as of today, a new flavor, Mud Pie. And it's Mud Pie Bars and Mud Pie Puffs. So you can get them in two different varieties a brand new flavor of Built Bar. And even though you guys know, I've got so many at my house right now, I've actually brought in a couple of uh, of leftover boxes I have to give to you guys. 
yeah. and just called it uh, sharing when really it was I just ran out of room. Still no cookie dough, though. No, because no, uh, I'm never out of room uh, for that. I'll make the room for cookie dough. Uh, I still made sure we ordered some of that mud pie today. It looked so good. So if you want to try the new Mud Pie Built Bars or any of their phenomenal flavors of the greatest protein bar of all time, you can do so right now. Use my last name, Dace, as a discount to save 15% off your order. That's D-E-A-C-E, save 15% off your order. When you go today to Built.com, I'm even getting emails from people. Dude, I got the email about the, uh, uh, the Mud Pies. I've already ordered them. I've got people now coming to me and telling me, that they ordered this before I even had a chance to announce it. All right. So we are spreading the gospel of Built Bar here on the program. Built.com is where you can go and use the promo code DACE to get 15% off. All right. Here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by... Pride is back at the White House. Joe Biden is having difficulty with the rainbow acronyms like the rest of us. We're also proud to have signed an executive order on my first day in office to combat discrimination against LGBTQI, excuse me, plus Americans. In addition to bragging about that executive order, the White House announced yesterday its intentions to sign an executive order that, if followed, would make it harder for children to access psychological care for gender dysphoria and would make it easier for minors to mutilate themselves, all in the name of tolerance and acceptance. Headline from the Associated Press, trans kids treatment can start younger, new guidelines say. The story details some group called the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, who now says chemical castration can now start for kids as young as 14 years old, two years earlier than the group's previous advice. Again, this story was published by the Associated Press. Groomer update, this is a preschool teacher reading a book she says she reads to her four-year-old students. You might feel like a boy. You might feel like a girl. You might feel like both boy and girl, or like neither. You might feel like your gender changes from day to day or from year to year. You might feel that none of these words describe you perfectly. You might not be sure yet. Maybe you're still figuring it out. Your feelings about your gender are real. Listen to your heart. No matter what your gender identity is, you are okay exactly the way you are. Op-ed at National Review, When Exactly Did Drag Queens in Schools Become a Thing? By Charles C.W. Cook. Moving on, seven Republican senators, Joni Ernst, Tom Tillis, Deb Fisher, Dan Sullivan, Rick Scott, Marsha Blackburn, and Tommy Tuberville, voted to make the United States military draft apply to women as well. The successful vote was a part of a Senate committee hearing on an amendment to the upcoming National Defense Authorization Act. Similar measures in the past few years have stalled. Messing with Texas update, GOP puke Senator John Cornyn was asked a very straightforward question by radio host Dana Lash about his support of a potential bill that would encourage states to enact red flag laws. A lot of people very hesitant to get on board with anything that renders a penalty and confiscates people's firearms, uh, you know, before they're even able to address the judge, because these are ex parte orders. So these most of the time people don't even know what's happening. What assurances can you can you give us that this would never happen since we're apparently undoing our framework? Well, Dana, you're exactly right. I mean, we've seen repeated examples of the government abusing its authority, and you, you mentioned a few of them. Uh, the, the best thing we can do, I think, for, from the legislative branch is try to be very specific and, um, and, and clear 
about what we are trying to do here, and so it leaves very little room for interpretation. I don't believe you. Lord Farquaad, a.k.a. Anthony Fauci, tested positive for COVID yesterday. That's according to the National Institutes of Health. Of course, God is trolling us, or hell is laughing at us, because on the same day America's Mr. Zero COVID tests positive for the virus, the FDA announced emergency approval of the Pfizer and Moderna COVID jabs for children as young as six months old. Newly acquired memos by the independent journalist outlet Just the News show Capitol Police warned about quote-unquote bloody war violence two weeks before the events at the Capitol on January 6th of last year. Congress, as you'll recall, turned down offers to bring in the National Guard. In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis was asked about billionaire Elon Musk's support of a potential DeSantis 2024 presidential bid. I'm focused on 2022, uh, but with Elon Musk, what I would say is, you know, I welcome support from African-Americans. What can I say? This video shows just a few of the thousands of fat cattle who have died in recent days in Kansas. The Kansas Department of Health and Environment says they are aware of 2,000 cattle succumbing to extreme heat and humidity in the region, though some reports estimate as many as 10,000 cattle have died. And finally, Postmates responds to feedback about their so-called bottom-friendly menu. Hi, I'm Vernon Wells, and I work for Postmates, and my team brought you the super popular bottom-friendly menu for Pride Month. The feedback we received was better than I could have ever expected, but I still want to respond to some of the questions our customers had. We realize a lot of you have very different diets, so starting this Friday, we're going to have a few more bottom-friendly options. We're going to have a vegan and vegetarian bottom-friendly menu, a kosher bottom-friendly menu, a keto bottom-friendly menu, and of course, the most requested, a halal bottom-friendly menu for our Muslim folks. That's comedian Danny Polishek, and that's what happened while we were away. Nice. Aaron's montage brought to you by Patriot Mobile. When you have an opportunity, because it doesn't come along very often in today's uh, corporate woke culture. So when the opportunity comes along to do business with people that don't hate you and you don't have to suffer a decline in quality of the service or the product, take full advantage of it. And the good thing is that one of those areas that we can all take advantage of because it's kind of hard to function in modern America without a mobile phone is with our, well, Mobile phones. By making the switch from whatever uh, God-hating carrier you're with now uh, to our friends over at Patriot Mobile. Our family finally made the switch. And like a lot of you, we put it off thinking it's too many lines, too much of a hassle. Wouldn't be able to understand a single damn word from anybody in the customer service department. You know, the the typical things that we use and justify to procrastinate, going to lose signal and everything else. None of those things, thankfully, turned out to be true. First of all, everybody, every company pretty much uses the same towers these days. Second, second of all, this is an American company with actual uh, Americans speaking a foreign language you understand, English. Okay. So if you want to make the switch today, if you're a veteran or, for, or first responder, let them know. They will offer you bigger savings as a way of saying thank you when you do. Uh, for the rest of us, you can make the switch today and get a free activation code with the offer code Steve when you make the switch at patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. Let us begin with talking about the dead cattle. Um, it's not really ever been hot and humid in Kansas before, has it? Frigid. All year round? Yeah. Year round. Yeah. One of the one of the, the biggest cattle states in the union is 
Texas, right? One of the yeah. biggest cattle states in the country, right? I believe so. Yeah. The biggest university in the state, the University of Texas. Longhorns. Cares it carries as its mascot what now? What'd you say? Longhorns. Which is a reference to... Cattle. Cattle, yeah. And it's never any hot or humid in Texas either, right? No. That's never hot or humid down there. Actually, it is mind-numbingly hot and humid down there. And forgive me, but just as I often wondered, why weren't we wearing these glorious masks every flu season of our entire lives if they work against respiratory viruses, right? Every time that they told us in every study they ran from the Spanish flu until um, June of 2020, every study they ever, they ever ran on this said these masks don't work, take them off. Every study when it comes to respiratory viruses, every single study for nearly or for over 100 years. That's what they said. And then uh, miraculously, spring of 2020 and suddenly these masks work against a respiratory virus we actually haven't fully studied yet. Whose virons appear to actually be even more microscopic than the flus that they didn't already work for. Right. Do I have this? Am I right on this so far? My kosher? Probably, maybe, sure. Okay. So along those lines of asking why, if these masks work, why did these doctors then unnecessarily sentence us to die by not demanding we wear them every flu season of our entire lives, right? Where have been, and, and, and maybe it's just been there and I've missed it. Do you guys recall the, the seasonal file footage of every summer, the dead cattle just piled up on the sides of the road in Texas? And that's how you know, you know, in my best Jim Nance voice, a tradition, unlike any other. You know, it's July. The kids always like the, like, you know, the birds returning to Kappa Swallow or whatever the hell that place is called. Okay. Whatever it's called. Strano. Strano. Thank you. I'm an ugly American. It's too many syllables. You know, yeah, you sit around. I, re- I remember my mom putting me on her knee as a, as a, as a wee lad. And saying, son, you know when it's summer, you know when it's July, it's when you turn on the TV and you see the legions and layers of dead cattle belly up laying on the side of the road in Texas. That's how you know it's sunblock season. There's always rites of passage, right? The leaves start to turn, the Halloween stores open in, you know, in September and it feels like fall, right? You know, um, the day after Halloween for me, the day after November for you, it begins to feel like Christmas. There are just certain times of year, June, when, you know, it's pride and their love is in the air and you just don't care, right? There's just certain rites of passage, certain times of seasons that you're like, you just associate that. I mean, the, the nostalgia and the memories. And it's all these years waking up to the file footage of the dead cattle lined up in layers and lines of belly-up dead steer on the side of the road in Texas as July arrives. Um, that's how you know. That, that's, that, that is, it used to be opening day, right? Used to be opening day and the smell of the peanuts and the hot dogs and the crack of the bat was kind of the unofficial start of summer or maybe Memorial Day and that three-day weekend. Um, but nowadays, it's when we all wake up to the lines and lines of belly up dead cows, just 
can't stand the heat and humidity, the dead steer that just roll over and die by the thousands in Texas. You remember watching all that file footage when you were a kid, right? It's in all the famous westerns when they're driving the cattle across the exactly. land Tum- the, the, the tumbleweed. Exa- yeah. I mean, that's why you watch a college football game and, they, and they're doing it from Iowa. And it doesn't matter where or who's playing, right? There's always going to be some cutaway shot coming corn. of corn coming back from a breaker, Iowa farmland, yes. right? Okay. And, and you think about that, you know, watching, you know, when it was still the Red River shootout. Yeah. When we were kids from the Texas-Oklahoma game, and they'd come back from break, you know, and there'd be like the tumbleweed, and then there'd be like the layers of dead steer yeah. just belly up, you know, with their feet just, you know, like dangling like little T-Rexes, uh, just completely choked out on the side of the road. That's when you knew, man, the heat index is really something around here. It's a little known fact. The upside down horns didn't come to mock the football that's team. That's right. It's because the of, th- there you go. Because that's how most kids got their first interaction yes. with cattle was just driving down the street and seeing a, a layers and layers of dead cattle belly up with the upside down horns. Right. Um, that Thank you for for that. Todd. I'd kind of forgotten about that tradition. In fact, the Hunger Games, the whole three finger up thing, it was originally inspired by the upside down hordes, which were uh, a homage, a a sign of reverence for the dead cows. Because when so many of these steer just, uh, these cattle just belly up and die every single summer, that means that, uh, you know, you're about to go hungry, basically, right? Yeah, they have their mocking jay. This is mocking cow. Yeah. Is that, in all seriousness, aren't we essentially being asked to believe what we just said? Yes. That, that's really what we're being asked to believe. Well, it worked for COVID, so why not try this? Uh, moving on then. You're right. They do believe you're stupid. They, 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 they do think you're stupid. Yeah. And, well. Or, or actually, actually... What's even worse than thinking you're stupid is you're just getting trolled. Like literally nefarious is like, I, I normally on pride month, I always get, I'm the, always the guy that gets to torment Kinsey. It's a tradition. Unlike any other down here, the, the senior officer gets to torment Kinsey uh, on Pride Month himself. And I usually reserve that role, especially for me. But when my underlings told me, Master, you're not going to believe this, but the surface dwellers actually think all these cows are dead because it's too hot. I had to come up. I had to come up, so I just grabbed a giant spiked ball gag and I put it in Kinsey's mouth and I put hit pause on the draw and quarter. And I had to just come up here and see for myself if you meatbags were just this dumb that you were actually going to run with. It's just too hot outside for the cows. And sure as sure enough, that's exactly what we're going with is it's just too hot outside I'm surprised, for the cattle. I'm surprised they didn't go with the cows uh, did not eat a bottom friendly menu. Oh, gosh, I Oh my gosh, I hate your guts right now. I'm not sure I can. Oh my gosh, I, that's that's just awful. Oh, that's awful. Thank you. Not at all. Is this what I do to you? Yes. 
Okay, so I guess it was a it was it was dis, it was deserved. It's in then. bounds. It's yeah. in bounds. Well, if, clearly. if I'm setting that as a boundary and I've done yes. this to you, then yes, it's yeah. Uh, vengeance is clearly in bounds. Like, um, like can we, you could believe, right? I mean, you could believe that a big, heavy, you know, fat cow, all black, you know, black fur. You could believe, right? And it does happen yeah. that they can c- succumb. To heat exhaustion. Sure. I just ran a Google search January 1st, 2011 to December 31st, 2021. I found three examples of mass heat exhaustion, heat exposure for cattle. One of them was in Australia. That was 80 cows. There were a couple of examples in the thousands. Not like what we're being purported here with, I guess that was one feedlot with thousands of cattle just up and died. I mean, that's where this gets a little. It's sudden. It's it's just me. it's just sudden cattle death syndrome, guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. That's that's what it is. It's yeah. sudden cattle death syndrome. Do they die from heat exposure or with heat exposure? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yes, and I think had they not eaten the bottom friendly menu, though, they would have died harder. They would have died harder. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Get your cows jabbed. Get your cows jabbed. All right, let's move on. Are we done here? Have is, the we, bovine, have we, is the bovine COVID jab uh, halal? <laughs> halal friendly? <laughs> I believe it's called the Aid Mubarak. Yeah. It's the blessed Aid Mubarak, I believe. Yes, isn't it? All right, have we beaten a dead cow enough? Oh, there it is. And we're officially done here. We're officially done. Um, John Cornyn. Oh what you doing? Can we go back to talking about the cows? <laughs> Speaking of dead cows, I mean, what did you think going on her program was going to accomplish with this? What did you think going on with Dana Lash to talk about betraying her audience on the Second Amendment? What what did you think that was going to accomplish? And she just asked a very basic question. What assurances can you provide that this won't be used to violate people's rights? And she gets back uh, the Beavis and Butthead. Uh, uh, we have chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. I mean, wh- why did you go on that show? What what did you think was going to happen? I've known Dana for years. She used to work for the NRA. Did you th- what What did you think she was going to ask you if you went on that program? And the fact that they had no better answer prepared than what you just heard. Let me tell you what you really need to be concerned about, in my view, about what they're doing here. Even more so than the Second Amendment is the Fourth and the Fifth. Illegal search and seizure, no person denied life, liberty, or property without due process of law. What you really need to be concerned about is when they run your profile... And they find out you use terms like red-pilled on social media. And they find out that you use the term COVID fascism on social media. And then they find out, well, you own a lot of guns. Even if they're all just like hunting rifles. Why does anybody need to own those kinds of guns? You're crazy. And they don't 
confiscate your guns, folks. They confiscate you. And if you really think a portion, if not the majority, of the people in favor of this are not in favor of that, then I've got a Joni Ernst for Senate sign to sell you. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Of course, that's what this is about. And of course, that's why Democrats in the Senate accepted this <clears throat> compromise. Because it's not one. It establishes their premise. Compromise in Washington, D.C. means the Democrats' pre- pre- premise gets established. And Republicans just agree to it on the grounds that it won't be fully executed yet while they're up for reelect. That's what compromise means in Washington, D.C. Let me repeat that. Compromise means the Democrats' premise gets established while Republicans agree to it in exchange for not having it fully executed while they have to run for re-election. And that's what's going on here. It won't be a precedent used to come after your guns. It'll be a precedent used to come after you. To watch you, to monitor you, to confiscate you without any due process. You're a danger. What do you mean you took your kids out of a preschool because that teacher that was in Aaron's montage, that's your preschool teacher, and you took your kids out and then posted about how she should be fired on Twitter? Red flag. On Facebook? That's absolutely a red flag. You bet it is. You've been flagged. That is what's going on here. Tell me I'm wrong. You know what I think of Texas? Look at the D.C. gulag. Look at the D.C. gulag. Uh, No due process going on there. Unless I'm mistaken, any due process going on at the D.C. gulag for the January 6th. Uh, And then we'll look at the example of Leah, I'm sorry, Will Thomas's teammate interviewed in Matt Walsh's documentary. When she complained about how having a dude in the locker room made her feel uncomfortable, was it addressed by speaking to Will Thomas or getting Will Thomas at different uh, quarters? No. She was the one. The teammates were the ones. The ones who complained about a dude in the female locker rooms, they were the ones who were uh, given a psych evaluation. It's happening. White guilt, all of this nonsense, they keep saying... You're guilty until proven innocent in a multitude of ways. This is just another way. It's fundamentally un-American. As for the aforementioned Joni Ernst, and I want to say this to Senator Marsha Blackburn as well, who has a liberty score that indicates she should know better. Your votes to draft our daughters is evil. It's beyond immoral. It is evil. It is wicked. And you should not just apologize, but like repent for it. There's been a lot of talk over the years about denying Catholic politicians communion because of their views on things. 
this needs to be expanded, frankly, church-wide and beyond just the denial of communion. It is time, if, if, if they show up in your church and you are the pastor or the priest there, they should be rebuked for this right there in front of the entire assembly. They should be rebuked. That's how immoral that is. That is wicked. That's every bit as wicked and immoral as drag queen story time hour is. Drafting our daughters to die while the able-bodied men stay home is every bit as wicked as I don't know what a woman is. It's shameful, it's evil, and it's wicked. And we should never obey that with our daughters if they try to do this. Absolute civil disobedience all the way. Wicked, evil, and shameful. And they should be rebuked by the clergy in their states and communities for this. It's just flat out evil. And sitting around and yucking it up about men and women's sports while you turn around and vote for this. That's like National Review running a story today. Wanting to know why did Democrats suddenly go drag queen queens crazy from the same guy that wrote last week criticizing Ron DeSantis for punishing Disney for it. You made this bed. This is your creation. So what are you viciously loyal to? Your beliefs, family, community, country? Well, Viciously Loyal is a purpose-driven brand that uh, is unique as the people who wear it. Uh, It was born from a long line of servicemen and women who choose to be servants to their communities and their country, live their lives with purpose in everything they do, and that's why everything is designed and printed right here in the U.S. of A. as well. Uh, They've got a great line of t-shirts, tank tops, hats, some cool swag, all using super soft blended fabrics that retain their shape. They feel amazing against your skin. And I can't promise they're going to make you look as good as that dude looks right there in the picture. Um, but uh, they they definitely look good on even me. Yeah, maybe you saw me wearing one of my Viciously Loyal t-shirts here on the show the other day. If you want to get involved with Viciously Loyal gear right now, uh, you can use my name, Steve, at the checkout to get 20% off when you go to Viciously Loyal gear. Uh, and or, I'm sorry, when you go to viciouslyloyal.com, I almost, almost gave you viciouslyloyalgear.com. Viciouslyloyal.com is where to go to get 20% off with the discount code Steve at viciouslyloyal.com. A lot of cool colors and a lot of cool options there for you to go at, at look at at viciouslyloyal.com. And if you pick something out or a few things out, use the promo code Steve to get 20% off. He was one of the OGs in pushing back at the advent or the launch of what we on our show uh, refer to as COVID stand. And we welcome him back to the program, uh, independent journalist Alex Berenson. It's good to have you with us, brother. How are you? Steve, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on with you. It's been too long. It has been too long. I, you know, forgive me. I actually looked at Todd like a month and a half ago on the show live and I'm like, dude, after he got, when people get banned from Twitter, I'm so used to using that as my AP source. <laughs> that I was like, Alex Berenson's still around, right? We need to get him back on. And that kind of goes to one of the first things I wanted to ask you about is you're going after them. You're suing them. And I saw there was an update on your case the other day. What can you tell us about that? 
Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, it is interesting when you when you get banned, the the impact is not immediate. It's sort of you know because people don't forget about you right away, but eventually you you do get marginalized. Uh, there is an effect. Um, and, you know, I have a very large Substack, uh, which is called Unreported Truths, which anybody can sign up for. And, you know, you can sign up for free or pay. But what that does is it gives me an outlet to the people who already know me. Right. It doesn't it, it what I what what the what the band does is prevent me from being part of the conversation from people who really need to hear from me, who don't know me, who don't know what I've said about, you know, COVID or the vaccines uh, in the past. Um, and so in that sense, it it does have a detrimental effect on my ability to, you know, be involved in the public discussion. Uh, but so the big news on the lawsuit came actually uh, about a month and a half ago, which is I survived the motion to dismiss. Berenson versus Twitter survived the motion to dismiss. And that is very, very, very unusual. So Trump versus Twitter didn't survive. Typically, these cases uh, don't survive uh, what's called the motion to dismiss, which mm -hmm. is the very first step where you have to prove you have some kind of viable case. Um, and usually after that, there'll be what's called a motion for summary judgment, where both sides will say, hey, this doesn't even need to go to a trial. My case is so good that I can win right now. Or the other side will say, this shouldn't go to a trial because the guy hasn't proven he has a case that can win a trial. But before you can even get, and then there's a trial if you surpass the motion to summary judgment. Um, but uh, before you even get there, you have to pass this motion to dismiss. And the companies have very strong protection, the social media companies, because of Section 230, which has largely been uh, interpreted to give them essentially complete protection for their banning decisions. And, and I think that that's a mistake. I think it's been misinterpreted, but that's a separate issue. What I had, and, and, and you know, the reason my case survived the motion to dismiss was I had talked specifically over a long period of time with a pretty senior t Twitter executive about what I was talking about, both about COVID and about the vaccines. And he had indicated to me at one point, he explicitly said, we want debate around these subjects. And so, uh, so hmm. then all of a sudden last July- the They have a Biden funny way of showing it, but go ahead, yes. So, yeah, right. Exactly. But they did show it with me. They didn't ban me for quite a long time. And in fact, you know, they didn't even issue any warnings about my stuff. And then the Biden administration in July of last year really went crazy about social media. Uh, you know, they 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 didn't like debate about the vaccines. They said people who, you know, raise questions about the vaccines are killing people and the platforms are killing people by allowing this kind of discussion. And literally the very day that the that uh, that Joe Biden said that was the day that Twitter really began the process of banning me permanently. Hmm. And the judge, who is not a Trump appointee or a or a Republican appointee, he's a Clinton appointee. The judge overseeing this case, the federal judge in San Francisco, said, uh, "You know what? Twitter's going to have to show." how they didn't breach their contract. This guy made a plausible claim that they, you know, that they've made these representations to him, that he relied on these promises when he was building his audience and they just pulled the rug out from under him. So that was a month and a half ago. And I can tell you, um, you know, it, it, the, the mainstream media has basically refused to report this. Uh, I wrote something about it in an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, but the New York Times hasn't reported on my case. The Washington Post, these places want to pretend that I didn't, you know, sort of win this victory. And and the key was the judge actually said he's going to get the right 
Berenson is going to get the right to see every communication, oh, not wow. just internally at Twitter about him, but if somebody from the government reached out, if somebody from uh, you know, a Pfizer or a, a pharmaceutical company reached out, if somebody from the WHO reached out, he's going to see everything that everybody said about him. And whether it was a voicemail or a text or an email, so so that is a very powerful mm-hmm. um, you know, avenue for me as a reporter. And I and the order said that I could depose a couple of Twitter executives of my choice. Oh wow! So um, so so right now we are there's a discovery schedule t- uh, established. Twitter has to provide this stuff by June 30th, and the depositions are supposed to follow. In August. Now, I can also tell you, and I'm not telling you anything that's not public, Twitter and I have been in settlement discussions. I was going to say, uh, June 29th, when they offer you your account back, what happens, do you think, Alex? That's right. So I can't discuss, I can't, you know, I can't discuss anything that they, that they, you know, anything specific. But what I have said, I've said this publicly too, those, that ability to see what those third parties said about me is very important to me. Mm-hmm. And there will be no settlement from my from my point of view that doesn't uh, that doesn't protect my right to see that mm. now, uh, you know, that because because I'm going to see. It, right. If the lawsuit moves forward, the ju- this is a federal judge's order. They can't get out of it. I'm going to see that stuff. So then, you know, I, again, I can't go past that. But I'm just I've said publicly, that's my position on this. And our settlement discussions are continuing. Incredible. Well, we I will definitely be keeping close tabs on that for sure. Let's get to the news that came out yesterday. Double jabbed, double boosted. Uh, Lord Farquaad himself, Anthony Fauci, testing positive at age 80 for COVID-19. When you first heard the news, your thoughts and reaction were what? Oh, I mean, it was inevitable. You know, the, the vaccines don't work, so... <laughs> I, and you know, to, there's a very good paper out of uh, out of England actually a couple of days ago showing that they basically are useless, completely useless against Omicron. And and by the way, you know what the vaccine people always say, what well, you know what they've been sort of forced into saying in the last six months to a year is, oh well, they don't stop infection or transmission, but they definitely help with severe disease and death. And and there's there's some technical stuff in this paper that raises the question as to whether or not that's even true. So, um, you know, of course, Fauci got it. I mean, the, the big the big question is whether whether and when Joe Biden is going to get this right. Mm. And, you know, and Joe Biden, unlike Fauci, Fauci's in pretty good shape. Right. He's, he's in pretty good shape. Co- cognitively, he's in pretty good shape physically. Joe Biden is not in such good shape. And, you know, uh, so far, uh, nobody really significant has, you know, has died from covid. And I would say nobody really significant has been hospitalized from covid uh, you know, since Donald Trump. I mean, I, you know, obviously there's tons of people who've gotten sick and died. I don't mean to minimize those deaths. But when I'm talking about, you know, a, a celebrity or a politician, a, a high level, you know, uh, a person who whose death would be of, you know, international significance. And and I do wonder the day that Joe Biden gets covid, um, how sick he'll get, because because everybody's going to get covid. It's 100 percent clear. With the FDA yesterday, I think it was 22 to nothing, voted to approve the uh, the Pfizer jab uh, to children under the age of five. So we're talking about infants now, toddlers yeah. now. Your reaction to that news? It is it is hard for me not to start screaming right now, Steve. This is this is a horrendous decision. It is it, uh, what they did with this trial. Okay, 
So, so you, they, they published this number. They say it was 80% effective in, in little kids, okay? It is just a lie. That is an absolute lie. What they did to get to that number was this, this trial was initially designed to look at people who, uh, kids who are going to get two shots of, of the vaccine. And then in, in February, January, February, they said, we need to give everybody a third shot. Okay. There were 375 COVID infections in that trial. 365 of them occurred before the third shot was given. They just excluded all of those infections when they were calculating whether the vaccine worked or not. Okay. The vaccine doesn't work in children at all, at least not at the dose level they gave. So, so they, they drew on 10 of the 375 in fact, in, infections in the trial to calculate this 80% figure. It is just made up. And by the way, we're not talking about the fact that, uh, that there were side effects. There were a number of kids who had high fevers. We're not talking about the fact that we know efficacy, that, that even that 80%, to the extent it's real at all, which it's not, it lasts probably a matter of weeks in Omicron. This is a joke. It is, it is, it is. Uh, you know, there, there's a guy named uh, Vinay Prasad who's a really yeah. good doctor, he's mm-hmm. an oncologist. He and he's very, very data driven. And he and his line about this was, did did the FDA's like decision making die with COVID or from COVID? Oh. Because w- w- they don't exist anymore as an important regulatory body. This was this was a disgusting decision. No one, no one. Should should get their kids vaccinated against COVID. It is, I mean, maybe maybe if your child is so morbidly ill that they're gonna die if they get COVID. You know, that, that's like one in a million kids. But in that case, I'm not sure they could tolerate the vaccine. Okay, the risk benefit for this is terrible. See, that's where I was and, gonna go next. What if even if even if the eighty percent number was whole? That? That's where I was gonna go next. Even if that eighty percent claim was whole, let's say that that was actually accurate. The overall risk benefit profile, you know, I've been saying since last year, we don't, everybody here, everybody's taking a risk. We don't know even the long-term consequences of even asymptomatic exposure to a virus of unknown to malicious or questionable origin. We don't know what the long-term ramifications are for mass injections of a spike protein from a, a vaccine vehicle we've never done. So this should actually be a time when there's a lot of grace going around neighbor to neighbor, because we're all literally from a risk profile. We're all in this together. We are all going to take a risk. And so we should be looking at risk benefit ratios constantly. The idea when you look at the victim and vector ratio for this virus with children to begin with, then yep. then since since if, since they would be the most likely to suffer long term consequences because they're going to live the most long term, why would we even risk this these injections on them? Given the low risk profile, both from a victim and vector standpoint, why would they be up for debate in this at all then? You, you are absolutely correct. And if you read what they actually said, and I did not listen to the whole hearing, so, so I actually do want to go back and do that at some point. But if, what you, if you actually listen closely to what the committee members said, they didn't say, you know, we think this vaccine really works for little kids. What they said was there's a group of parents out there who want this, and we think that they should have the opportunity to take it. Hmm. Let me tell you what they're really saying, Steve. They're saying we scared the you-know-what 
out of these people who watch too much MSNBC and live in Brooklyn for the last two years, and they are wrecking their kids' lives because they won't let them outside. Yeah. We think this vaccine at this very low dose is not particularly dangerous. We know it's useless. We're going to let these people have this so that they can take the masks off and let their kids see their grandparents and let them get out of their apartments because we are we are letting we are encouraging them or we did encourage them to destroy their children. That is what this is really about, because 90 percent of the country isn't going to go near this for little kids. You can see what the data says. The data says that, you know, only about a quarter of kids, I believe, five to 11 got this. Maybe it's 30 percent now. And in that younger, like five to seven bracket, it's lower. So the younger you are, the less likely your parents are to let you get this. And for kids under five, it's going to be even lower. They know that. And what they're doing is completely cynical. They, they, well, I mean, in a way, it's an effort to repair the, the other damage they caused. They're going to pretend that there's some justification to allow this just so that those freaked out parents can get this thing that is useless for their children. It is a, it is disgusting. Mm. Alex, let us know one more time. Where's your Substack at if people want to go there and follow your work? So the Substack is Unreported Truths. And uh, again, you can sign up for free. You can pay. I will say one other thing. I've raised a big war chest against Twitter. I know people don't like GoFundMe. I have a GoFundMe. The, the campaign is called Fight Social Media Censorship. You can also uh, you know, contact me and get my Venmo account. And that money does matter because it enables me to stand up to Twitter and say, if this goes you know, through, through summary judgment to trial, I'm going to be able to fight you. Um, so... You know, uh, that 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 is it's been a powerful weapon. And, you know, I don't I don't like, you know, sort of reaching out to raise money. But in this case, it's necessary and it's done some good. So but the Substack is unreported truths. Great work, Alex, as always. Appreciate you coming back on, man. Good to see you. All right. Take care. Thanks. You bet. Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Omega XL. You know, you've got about 360 places in your body from your neck down to your feet called joints that are critical and crucial to maintain activity in an active lifestyle. But as we get older, they can also become little uh, receptors for inflammation. And what does that mean? That's where that achiness and soreness, that lingering stuff that just won't let go, that kind of restricts you throughout the course of the day or when you first get up in the morning. Likely the source of that is inflammation. That's why you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory that is backed by almost three decades of clinical and ongoing research and almost three years of me using it on a daily basis. I take my Omega XL with me wherever I go. And ever since I have, you have rarely, Todd and Aaron, have rarely heard me complain about soreness or achiness after workouts because I work out shortly before we come in here to do the show. All right. So if you want to give it a shot today, you can buy one bottle, get a second one for free when you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve. That's OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Or you can call them at 800-844-4888. Todd, you have a very, very quick thought on the conversation we just had with Alex. Uh, yeah, these neurotic parents are so out of touch with reality that they need their kids medicated to help their mental illness. It's to self-medicate them. It's appalling. They need to experiment on their kids to self-medicate themselves. Yes. Yeah. Theology Thursday is next. We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Don't forget you can let us know what you think about what we think. 
First, by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter and Getter. Also on TikTok and Instagram now as well at Steve Day Show. Look for me at Real Steve Dace on Trump's Truth Social. And then you can look for clips and look at clips that are both free of censorship and free to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E. For those of you that are podcast listeners and have left us a five-star review, we are so very appreciative. Thank you to each and every one of you. Don't forget if you have yet to do that and you would like to and you've got a question that you would like asked for an upcoming Ask Me Anything on a Monday. Uh, put your question inside your five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, especially iTunes, since that's where the vast majority of podcasting is done. And we will move your question to the front of the line for an upcoming AMA. So thank you to all of you. We did several of those on our Ask Me Anything last week to get that little tradition started and going. So thank you. And thanks as well for hitting the subscribe and follow button. All those things help to continue with the continued growth of our podcast. So we thank you uh, for each of you that have done those things for us. And if you have not, why haven't you? This portion of the show brought to you by, was that creepy? Sufficiently so. Was yes. it sufficiently creepy? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of thinking America responds to creepy pitches because that's one of the reasons for, for the uh, proliferation of drag queens. So I just tried to channel my creepy a little bit. Was that creepy at least at all? You've got a long way to go to Do get I? To, to bottom diet. What if I what so if I said safe. that while spread eagled and bellied up? What if I said it like that? Uh and a wig. Know. No. I was literally not paying attention to this conversation. And now you it, are when I said spread eagled? Yeah, and belly up. I, yeah, was, yeah. <sighs> I had to get I had to get you guys back after what you did to me last last hour Erzin, because that was wrong on many levels. It's all wrong on all, all the wrong. levels. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by Real Estate Agents I Trust. You know, in these, I'm just going to say it, unprecedented times. Bing. Make sure you go into the real estate market with an agent that you can trust to take you from stem to stern, beginning to end, to finish the race. Don't find out the hard way, like Glenn Beck and some of his associates did, that not every agent can walk the walk of the talk that they talk. That's why they started this business several years ago is they wanted to make sure they were connecting good agents uh, with the good people in this audience. And so if you want to take advantage of this referral service just about anywhere you want to move to or get away from, we can help you find an agent with a fully vetted track record of success when you go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. And we go now to Theology Thursday, as we continue our three book series, study series that we're doing this year, uh, we took a look at uh, the spirit of the age in both how it operated within the framework of the most obvious and, and I would say menacing manifestation of what we have seen in our time. And that's what went on with COVID over the last couple of years. And we did that through Scott Atlas's painful read. Uh, later in the year, we're going to do this through the through economics. We're going to look at this and how the spirit of the age operates economically compared to what would be a more biblically based or a laws of nature and nature's God. We're going to be talking about that phrase here in a minute, so I threw it in. Uh, what would a monetary and an economic system based more on the laws of nature and nature's God look like? By contrast, we'll have that conversation later in the year. 
But here for the middle of the year, we're talking about my latest book, Do What You Believe, or You Won't Be Free to Believe It Much Longer. If you want a study guide along with us here, the book is written as a study guide. The study guide questions were written by Todd and and contributed to to the book. Uh, You can get your copy today at Amazon.com and do this study right alongside us. And this is now more about how to go on offense against the spirit of the age. And this week, we're going to be looking at the chapter on the Declaration of Independence and what in the world is the Declaration of Independence doing as a topic on a Theology Thursday? Why was that, why was that given a, ch- a chapter in a book that was written to be kind of a, a modern-day update of the Christian Manifesto? Well, that's exactly, Todd, what we're going to be talking about and what your questions point us towards that we'll be discussing this week. Well, you spend the chapter uh, breaking down in full uh, the Declaration. So it, it's not just a flowery ode that you write again it's important to remember that the declaration uh, while meant to be inspiring is a legal document it's meant to address specifically uh uh, crimes and how to remedy them so i'm actually going to combine the first two questions for you they would serve a separate purpose to a general audience but for you i'm going to combine them okay Had you ever read the entire text itself or heard the entire Declaration of Independence broken down this way before prior to reading this chapter? Why or why not? What about all of the people you know or the average American on the street? How would they answer that question? I'll start with the second part first. I think the answer is clearly no. That I think the average American is more likely to have heard the entirety of the Declaration of Independence spoken uh, during the pregame show when Fox hosts the Super Bowl every three or four years than they have heard it in a classroom or even on the on the 4th of July uh, when we do those commemorations. This is kind of like with law school. If you ask a bunch of attorneys, did you actually have a course on the Constitution? Correct. They always say no. Correct. It, uh, an old friend of mine who's actually running for Attorney General of Maryland right now, and he's been uh, the Constitution Party candidate for president uh, and he used to, he's been on his city council. He used to be a, a guest on our show back in its early days. His name is Michael Peruca. And again, he's running for AG of Maryland right now. And he was originally uh, one of the, one of the top attorneys in HUD. He got that appointment during the Reagan administration. And he actually, for the first time, now keep this in mind, he is a successful trial attorney. He has been given a plum political appointment in the Reagan administration. Okay. And, and so this is right at the beginning of the Reagan administration when he was the crazy right winger that was going to kill us all. Right. Okay. And he had never actually studied the actual wording of the constitution before. Because in law school, they didn't teach the constitution. They just taught what judges and attorneys and people's, the people that they handpicked what their opinions on it were. They didn't actually say, here's what the Constitution says and means. You studied the cases of what the Constitution, based on the interpretations of others, says and means, not its actual wording. Which is funny, because when this thing was ratified, did they ratify the opinions on it? Is that what they ratified? No. Or did they ratify the Constitution itself? Itself. Itself. And they never studied that. And so he's in the early days of the Reagan administration, and he is studying the Constitution for the first time, thinking... 
you know, now that I got this plum political job and I just swore an oath and everything, maybe I should study this darn thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And he realizes through his study, his own job is unconstitutional. So he resigned it. He quit his job. True story. Had never studied it before, studies it once he gets into the Reagan uh, administration. And, and as he's originally studying, he's like, oh, snap, my job is unconstitutional. <laughs> like, there is no constitutional justification for this entire branch of government I live in or work in, let alone my job. So he resigned. And that sort of started his arc along these lines. So I, I think the vast majority of Americans have... This is the this is prof, the prophet Hosea stuff. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. And what is the prophet talking about there? Their their legacy, the law, the traditions, the things that were providentially inspired by their and and given to their ancestors, given to their ancestors that they then were charged with passing on. Now I am not equating the Declaration of Independence to the law or to the to the words and the commandments that God gave to Moses. I'm just making a a historical or situational comparison that these were to be things that were to be passed down, handed down to be known. The point of public education, if you go back and read the founders was to preserve these traditions and to make sure they were passed on. They viewed an educated populace as the best check and balance against tyranny. So it is no coincidence that these things and these traditions have been removed. These legacies are gone now. So they can be replaced with something else. It was never going to be a morally neutral pop, uh, pop proposition. It was always with the intent of replacing it with something else, like, say, Drag Queen Storytime Hour. Now, for me to read it and study this on an individual level, the the first time I really looked at it through the lens, you know, I mean, as a as a hardcore political conservative growing up, I mean, I you know, of course, studied it in its historical and philosophical context. But then I have this Christian conversion and I'm more interested in, you know, I'm going to get asked questions now. Well, hey, you know, does what about the separation of church and state or does this violate your faith? Or are you trying to impose your faith on me? And so I'm trying to reconcile my way through these things. And I went through a study of a phenomenal book by a former BYU constitutional professor named Cleon Skousen called The 5,000 Year Leap. And it's a phenomenal book. It would absolutely be on the list of books. I think when we did our Evergreen on the list of books, every American should be forced to read before given a voter registration card. I believe that was on the list. I've done, I've done not one, but two different studies of that book on my show throughout my career. We've actually studied it twice. It's the only book in the history of this show that we've done two separate book studies on. It's a phenomenal book. And that really opened my eyes to the theistic framework of this document but then i also wanted to have something that was more explicitly biblical because if i'm going to be a sola scriptura guy i mean there can be things that are generally theistic but can come into conflict with being sola scriptura if we're not sure about who the theo is that we're talking about here right Mm -hmm. and so after the, the inspiration from, from Skousen, as, as, as I wanted to take it now a step further and look at it even more circumspect through a biblical lens 
and through that and and then apply the historical traditions and the and what do certain phrases mean keep in mind that all 13 colonies except for one rhode island was were, were founded or or established by some vestige of the christian church and rhode island was the one exception because that was actually founded to be something that was more neutral in terms of specific traditions of christianity right because these colonies would often say, hey, if you belong to the wrong denomination, you couldn't like live here or run for office here. And Rhode Island was kind of uh, was created as sort of a, a sanctuary from that. But it was still heavily inspired by the Christian ethic. And so coming up with those things and with Skousen's uh, inspiration is how I wrote and came up with the breakdown that you see now in this chapter. And I've never seen anything else like it. I don't know. I'm sure some it's been done in other times and places and other eras where these things were more um, widely known and taught. But in our era, I've never seen anybody else break it down the way that we do actually in this chapter. You address the original sin of slavery and, and you do that to get ahead of what is obviously a very quick objection sure. and increasingly so to this whole thing was built on a foundation of sand. So how aware were you of how contested the issue of slavery in in fact was from the dawn of the Republic? Or were you taught that since they were all racist at that time, they all owned slaves or supported slavery in general? So that latter teaching, the idea that Thomas Jefferson fathered children through, I think it's Sally Hemings, one of his slaves, that stuff was just coming in as you and I were graduating high school and going into college. There were still um, in the education system like a generic um, reconciliation of this kind of a point. Like you'd go through your history book when you were a kid and this would come up and it would talk about how this was a divisive topic. But then in the end, they 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 would not be able to come together as one nation without um, without setting it aside. And so they did. That was kind of the interpretation that I was taught growing up. OK, yeah. that was kind of the accepted notion. And I think in the society that we had back then, that would that might have been good enough. Uh, of an explanation. It's not good enough for the society that we have today. And and by the way, I don't have a problem with that. I I I don't I don't lionize the founding fathers. I don't go to the church. I used to say this a lot on my show. Uh, I don't go to the church of George Washington. I don't go to the church of Thomas Jefferson. That'd be a bad church. Yeah, I I go to the well that one in particular. Even though he might have been philosophically and politically in the end the, the, the most prophetic of all sure. of the founding fathers. Everything that he predicted could go wrong if we did blank has all proven to be true. <clears throat> he just often started from a flawed theological premise. But I don't, I don't go to the church of men. Okay, I, I go to the church of Jesus Christ. And so I don't have a... I, 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 to me, I think we should have always had an honest accounting of this. And I do think if we had had an honest accounting of this and, and not in past eras felt a little bit like... Yeah, uh, you know, too many of them owned slaves and they were clearly contradicting what they were writing and were a little ashamed of it, you know, knowing what we know about the history of racism in America now and, and how we're trying to get past that. So we're going to kind of come up with some generic explanation, and, but they, they argued about it and then sweep it under the rug. I think you're almost just setting, it's a little bit like, let me give you a, a bad analogy, but it's the best one I can think of. When you don't teach your kids real sexuality, when you don't teach your daughters what a clitoris is, 
when you don't when you don't teach your son why they had sons why they have morning wood i'll just be very blatant when you don't teach that stuff to your kids kinsey will do it do you hear me sure when you don't teach that stuff to your kids hefner will do it when you don't teach that stuff to your kids flint will do it accordingly when we don't have an honest hearing and accounting of these events. Because for every attempt to propagandize Jefferson and Sally Hemming, were you ever taught about Benjamin Rush? Were you ever taught about Benjamin Franklin and the, and the abolitionist societies they founded? Were you taught that stuff? As a, as a counterbalance to that, were you taught that? No. You know, we should have taught that. I like truth. I like honesty. I think truth is good. And sometimes it doesn't make us feel comfy. And and one of the things we tend to do in human societies is whichever group has the majoritarian impulse isn't really fond of full hearings of the truth. And then they end up setting the stage for the counterculture to come. Now, what's happening in our culture right now is we are that counterculture. We shouldn't have had to be. We aided and abetted our enemies because we didn't have an honest hearing and accounting of this stuff. There were racist founding fathers. There were racist colonies. They were slave holding. There were slaveholders. There were men who wrote some of the who, who wrote and then ratified some of the most eloquent and powerful words in the history of human speech and then went home and completely violated them on their own property. I don't see the need to hide from that. And I think we have a tendency to do that when we rely on our own righteousness and goodness. We, can, we craft fig leaves when we are relying on our own righteousness and goodness. We can be naked in the garden and have no shame when we rely on God's. I am not your hero. I'm not. If you followed me around all day long, if you had a direct connection to what was going on inside of my brain all of the time, I can promise you and on every single day, you would encounter things that would be like that is completely opposite of what you claim to believe. And so if this whole thing were to rest on me, And my righteousness and my credibility, I'm going to craft excuses, fig leaves. I'm going to maybe set a few things kind of aside. Yeah, yeah, I suck on that, but how good am I in this? I'm going to to try to rationalize things because I'm human. I got a note from when we had a conversation about my language the other day. I got a note from a guy. How do you justify this as a Christian? Here's what I, here's, and he wrote me a big long note, and but that's essentially what it said. And here was my response: one sentence, I I cannot, I am a sinner. That and I hit reply. This isn't about me, and it's really not about George Washington, or even as great by our standards these men were. They were still flawed. They were still mere men. The document begins with an acknowledgement of the laws of nature and nature's God. It concludes with an appeal 
to the governor of the universe, the supreme ruler of the universe, to divine providence for its success and for its credibility. That is a recognition of their own flaws. And I believe God worked through these flawed men to create the greatest nation on earth because of the acknowledgement of their flaws. We hear about David being a man after God's own heart. He, take, he takes a man's wife away from him when he already has plenty then sends him off to the front lines to die, hopefully die in a war so he can cover his own sin and have his wife for himself. When his daughter is raped by his brother, her brother, his lack of action against this and punishment and accountability to this almost plunges his country into a civil war and leads to an insurrection. I could go on. So why is he a man after God's own heart? Because at his absolute lowest point, where the child he the first child he conceives with Bathsheba, when he when it's born stillborn, he doesn't justify his sin. He doesn't shake his fist at God. When the prophet Nathan comes to him and says, "Thou art the man," what does David say? Yeah, I am. And that's what Christ meant in the in the the parable he tells of the self-righteous man, religious leader who goes to the temple and says, thank you, God, I am not like these sinful plebes. And then there is the man who is a sinner and he goes and he beats his fist against his chest and says, have mercy on me, Lord, I am a sinner. And Christ asks, which of these two are given eternal life? It's not the self-righteous. And so I don't think we would have a, we would have had a market for things like the 1619 project and the lies that you are being exposed to today if we had not tried to be self-righteous about our history but just been really honest about it the entire time. It's not all good. Because here's the thing, here's the cool thing when we acknowledge we're not all good or the movements we're a part of are not all good or the things that we want are not all good, here's 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 the cool thing it is more likely they turn out to be good because it's in that weakness that God's holiness is made strong. When we act on our own self-righteousness, we kind of put him aside and we got this. But when we admit, yeah, I'm not sure that my motives on this are great. Yeah, that I really blew it on that one. That just inexcusable, man. Face plan. Yeah. I mean, I really appreciated, uh, I mean, Jefferson wrote maybe the greatest political treatise in the history of human civilization, but probably shouldn't have cut all the miracles out of his Bible and was wrong to own slaves there at Monticello. When we just tell the truth, God gets magnified and it's more likely that the things we want and believe in are good, the more involved in them he is and the less self-righteous about them we are. Does that answer your question? It does. Before we get to the next one, a quick word here about ExpressVPN. You know, every time you connect to an unencrypted network, like airports, cafes, hotels, any hacker can gain access to your personal data there, like passwords, financial details, et cetera. And it doesn't take a lot of tech, uh, technical knowledge to hack someone, just some cheap hardware. There's a lot of smart 12-year-olds smart around that can do things like this. Uh, and that's why hackers will pay up to $1,000 per person 
to get access to personal info and sell it on the dark web. You want to avoid these kinds of things with the right VPN. Use our friends at ExpressVPN. There's a reason why it's won so many awards. It's so easy to set up. I'm able to do it. Set it up on all my devices in about five minutes. Also, you can kind of game the streaming services when there are entertainment options they make available in other countries that they don't make available here. Just, you know, get onto a server in that country and get access to the content that they make available there. They don't make available here. So if you want to learn how to get to an extra three months for free, go to expressvpn.com slash Steve right now. Express, V as in victory, expressvpn.com slash Steve. And you can get three additional months for free if you sign up for a year when you go to expressvpn.com slash Steve. Are America's failures, such as <clears throat> slavery or whatever else they may be, rooted in systemic bias of systems or systemic sinfulness of human beings how might the answer to this question influence what you believe the solution needs to be this is a vital question and i was very glad that you asked it the way you did in the book because systems are made of people and institutions are made up of people and that this goes to something that is one of the most oft quoted things on the show, the, the John Adams line that this constitution or this way of life, this government is meant only for a moral and religious people. The institutions have been corrupted and co-opted. Who did the corrupting and co-opting? People did. That's, they, they may have designed them to be corrupted from the very beginning. Uh, they, and, and, and in certain cases, that's true too. But ultimately, the, the, the people are responsible. Mm-hmm. We, rail, I mean, we get mad about the Republican Party on this show, but ultimately, the party is not an independent organism, is it? No. No, it's made up of what? People. People. And that's why I changed my approach in the last few years to get away from you know, doing all primary radio basically to, we got to get to the people. We got to radicalize the people. And yesterday, didn't you just say <clears throat> in your rant, the people are the problem? The people are the problem. The people are the problem. We are the problem. I mean, if we are the, if, if we are, if, if, if we are the solution here, then that means we were also then what? If us getting involved in our school boards was the solution, then the problem was what? We weren't previously what? Involved. Well, the answer is okay. us because the problem was us. That's exactly right. We're not transcendent beings. We're not gods. We can't solve problems that are not our responsibilities or that we didn't create ourselves. We don't exist outside of time and space. We're prisoners to it. The only, the only things we can solve are the things we caused. And so... It's just more of an uplifting message to say the answer is us than for me to come on the show every day and say the problem is you and the problem is me, but they're both true. The answer is only us because the problem is us too. Last question, and this one very much is a summary of things we talk about on the show all the time, but true or false, the entire premise of liberty rests on the principle our rights come from God and not government. Why or why not? Period. Because ultimately, if they come from government, then what government grants, government can take away. 
And since government is made up of, going back to the last question, governments are made up of what? People. People. Are people objective or subjective? Subjective. Subjective. There's only been one objective person in all of the history of humanity since the fall, and we hung him on a cross. Every one of the other people that have been born since Genesis 3 were subjective creatures. Born with sin, born with the desire to sin, born with the desire to rebel, revolt, to go against God, to be their own gods. Unwilling to at some point accept some form of objective truth, but desire to violate it. So if our rights aren't predicated on coming from an objective divine being, then they are constantly up for negotiation, which is exactly what's going on in our culture today. The more secularized we become, the more statist we are. Something will fill that void. Once the government removes the God, the government will become the God, G.K. Chesterton. And that is the era in which you are living in today. That is why with government now, the Ubermensch, with government now, God, this is why compliance is the highest virtue, not merit, not compassion, not truth, not justice, but compliance. Because what's the number one thing God wants from us? The real living God, what does he want from us more than anything? Faithful obedience. This is what all gods want. It's just a matter of whether they're good gods or really God or not. Governments don't make for good gods. So when the government demands faithful obedience, what it really demands is servitude and compliance. And that's the era that you're transitioning into today. See what I did there? I do. Three non-political questions are next. Hey, quick uh, postscript on Theology Thursday. We have some bonus Theology Thursday coming your way in the overtime today. Because there's a video that emerged this week. Every Earth Day, we have a tradition on our show, Aaron, right? We play that Earth First video. Yeah. Tree farts. That one. Mm -hmm. Okay. The old, I'm here to mourn. The old growth. That one. Right. Okay. We, we may now have a drag queen equivalent of this. And yes, it, it should be mercilessly mocked, but a serious, and we will do that. Uh, but there, there's a serious point that needs to be made here, though, too. And we're going to get into it in the Theology Thursday bonus version. Coming up in today's overtime, we're going to record that right after the conclusion of today's show for our subscribers here on Blaze TV. It is just for you, and then uh, we will upload it later today for you to watch at blazetv.com slash dace. For the rest of you, today might be the day that you want to become a Blaze TV subscriber. It's just 10 bucks a month. You can go there, too, to become one, blazetv.com slash dace. Let's get to three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, we need a little break. A little levity. 
no matter how terrible the segue I may come up with is. We need a little break uh, from the demise and fall of Western civilization. Do you ever have uh, one of those uh, moments where you just think, you know, I really thought the end times was going to be a lot less stupid? Um, <laughs> those yes. are happening with I- I- increasing frequency, but that's not my first I, question. I read every Left Behind book. I love that yep. series of books. I expected something sinister and spooky. Mm-hmm. This is stupid. Yep. Yes, yep. I hear you. That's not the question, though. First question, though. I've been I've been anxiously awaiting. I gave you guys no heads up about this. I've been waiting your answer on this. If you were stuck in an elevator for five hours, whom would you most want to be stuck with? Lord Vader, Lord Nefarious, or Lord Voldemort? Give me two reasons, two solid reasons. All right. You would most first. Is there a reason you chose five hours? No, that's just a okay. There's so there's no significance to that amount of time. Mm -mm. All right. Okay. A significant amount of time, but not like a day. Okay. All right. So I need two reasons why? Yeah. Okay. So one reason is would be applicable to all three of these individuals, that they're all very powerful, right? And so could could manifest a way to get out of said elevator, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay. The reason I'm going to go with Lord Vader is, beca- is because, to quote his son, there is still good in him. And... That gets revealed at the end of his story arc. There is nothing redemptive in Voldemort or obviously my own character that I created uh, in Nefarious whatsoever. There is nothing redemptive whatsoever. So there's also uh, the highest, I don't know how high of a likelihood, but there's a higher likelihood I survive five hours mano a mano reasoning with Lord Vader than I do with either Voldemort or Nefarious. And that's a good answer. I thought of that. In, I agonized over this question because apparently I don't have anything better to do. But no, I, I thought of that. You're also not his son, though. Agreed. You're not his son. But I, it's still a good answer. Yeah. Okay. No, that was going to be why I wanted to pick Vader because I'm not his son. I, I would uh, pick Nefarious based on the principles that Steve laid out. Uh, he's not going to kill me because I'm already dead. I mean, that's why he's telling you the whole story. So I'll live through it. I might learn some things that are pretty darn dark, but I'll live through it. Um, I, I, I think with Lord Voldemort, you're guaranteed to die. We're, yes. all, we're all muggles and he hates muggles. You're guaranteed to die. I believe there is a slightly larger chance that you're not going to die with Lord Vader. But here's why I'm choosing Lord Nefarious as well. And it's wow, a complete and, total, complete and total Jesus juke. One, one reason... Hell is not used to doing things one-on-one, mano-a-mano, out in the open, confrontational. Hell does its best work in the shadows, Mm -hmm. where you you can't really see. So I'm not really sure if Lord Nefarious, in that situation, would necessarily feel at home. And two, this is nothing to say about doubting Lord Nefarious's power. It's just I have more respect for the only all-powerful being in the universe whose son bought and paid for my his uh, with his life for my soul. So I really think that actually I would have the upper hand in that. Now it might now be that's it a might good be the answer. Most, it might be the most terrifying of those three, but I think I'd be the most safe of those three. So basically Aaron's answer is I'm taking nefarious so I can go I can use this five hours to play one on one uh uh, spiritual warfare. Yeah. And it would be, it, it might okay. be terrifying, but I think you'd be the safest. That That's well, pardon the pun. That's a hell of an answer. Well, 
Thank you. Uh, go ahead. Before we get to your next question, um, our friends over at Eden Pure, if you're, if you're doubting that these filterless uh, air purifiers that they make, that's right, you don't need a filter, so you have to replace that uh, thing all the time. It becomes a real pain, and it saves you money. If you're doubting that these things work, trust me, I, I put this thing to the ultimate test, man. The bedroom of a teenage boy who works out five days a week. I, I can't. We've all been that kid at some point in our lives. We know what scents and smells emerge from such beings at that stage of life. And um, the, the Eden Pure air purifier more than held its own. So there you go. That's, that is the best testimony I can give. Uh, I, if it can stand up to a teenage boy who works out five days a week, then it can stand up to whatever you've got in your home, whether it's cigars, cigarette smoke, dirty diapers, pets, litter boxes, trash cans, etc. If you want to try them now, you get three units for under 200 bucks. I can put one in your basement, bedroom, a family room, kitchen, anywhere you need clean, fresh air. And did I mention you don't have to replace the filters all the time because it's filterless. All right. So use the code Steve three right now. You get free shipping plus a $200 discount. That's a big discount. When you go to uh, EdenPureDeals.com, Eden, just like it sounds, E-D-E-N, EdenPureDeals.com. Use the discount code Steve3 for the big savings and free shipping when you go to EdenPureDeals.com. Next question, USFL, this go around on these spring leagues is poised to be the first out of the AAF, XFL, the third time's the charm, apparently, to make it through an entire season and postseason. Do you think this league has staying power, and did it ever really even interest you throughout its season? This is going to be its final regular season week, I believe. So, it's got two things going for it for staying power. One, it's, it has an established brand name that has been successful in the past. Uh, people always forget the USFL won its antitrust lawsuit against the NFL. It's just that the court only awarded it a dollar in damages and, and it wasn't awarded enough damages that it could have leveraged that into some kind of merger with the NFL, like what the uh, AFL did back in the day or what happened with the uh, the ABA and the NBA. And so it essentially went belly up as a result. Um, but, but there is some nostalgia there um, and it's cleverly tied into that by calling some of its teams what those teams were called in the 80s. I think it's also chosen the right time frame. I never really understood. And, and I mean, I'm a football fanatic, okay? But after the Super Bowl, it feels like it's kind of over. We ran the race, time to move on. And, you know, you know, we get past March Madness. I'll kind of be Jones and Ford again in a few months and watch a few spring games. But the idea of after the Super Bowl, I, there's a huge market to turn around and watch the, you know, football again. The week after, I never understood that. I, that just didn't make any sense to me. Um, and so I think it, it, it's gotten the timing down right, too. I'm a little concerned about its business model. I think the one week I tried to watch it, didn't I text you and say, why aren't there any fans in the stand? Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize they were playing all the games in Birmingham, yep. Alabama, you told me. Um, and, and so I understand they're trying to keep their costs and everything down. But now it appears that the XFL is going to come back. And with more funding than what it had before... And some form, I think I read, of NFL tie-in or something. I think the NFL is trying to have their hands in kind of as many of these leagues okay. as they possibly can. Do we know can. what time of year? Is the XFL going to try that? Let's play the on Valentine's I Day, too? Know. I don't know. So if the, if, the, if the XFL does, then I could see the USFL surviving. 
If the XFL uses those advantages and then goes to the same time period of trying to capitalize on that window there. Because the XFL actually had fans in the stands. Yes, it did. You know, and, you, and now you've got significant two, numbers. You've got two established entities that would be promoting it simultaneously in the WWE and the NFL. Then I think, you know, the, the answer to the USFL is wrong, is no. So I'd kind of, I want to, I'd want to know more about when the XFL plans to play before I answer it. That would, because I, I think a lot of it is predicated on that. Uh, the answer is no and no. I don't think any of these things ever had a chance. Uh, I I think that this is gluttonous, and it's actually a sign of hope for our country beyond the the notion of football that we may understand that there's something more important. I'm, I, I love football. I love the rhythms of it in the fall. It is... I understand why you can make it a 12-month thing. Geek-wise, draft, things like that, combine. But th- it's... There's just... It's just too much. And and if if, if we get to the place that these things are profitable... It is, it's, we won't be talking about on this show that it, like we, no time left like yesterday. No, it'll be fully gone. It's full bread and circuses and we will be the idiocracy. We should, there's no point in 24 seven football for the whole calendar year. I designed that question partially with Todd in mind and I got the answer that I was looking for um, from Todd. Now, I, I think, with the USFL, I tried to watch just like 10, 15 minutes every weekend. It was consistently decent football, but I felt like the XFL was more exciting. So if the XFL comes back, regardless of what time of the year they play, I think the XFL probably will have the upper hand. So, uh, you know, I was moderately interested, but uh, I don't really think it has staying power. Question three. What's the worst fashion trend or fashion accessory or fashion fashion that you've ever attempted to embrace? And if the answer is I'm a dude, I'm too embarrassed to ask, uh, answer that question, or I'm a dude, I've never embraced a fashion trend. What's the worst fashion trend, period? I ever tried to embrace a fashion trend. I mean, I wore... You know, I rolled up my guest jeans in the 80s. You know, I flipped my collar up on my polo shirts. Um, I got one. Those are fashion trends, right? I mean, sure. that's yeah. that's the era in which I lived, you know? I remember. I wore flannel in the 90s when, you know, when grunge, when it transitioned from, you know, the flamboyant preppy look of the 80s to the grunge look of the 90s. Bell bottoms are the thing I never understood. I, I've always found them hideous. I've always found them ugly. I don't understand it. I've never liked it. And just not a fan on any level. Just never understood them at all. I I had an irrational desire to do this when I was a kid. Oh, my this mo- is going to be good. My mom would not let me do it. And God, my mom was the, the sweetest soul on earth. So she she just refused to budge. And, and that you just, you couldn't, you didn't want to break my mom's heart. So you eventually stopped and realized that's just how it was. But if you remember when we were in middle school, do you remember Sonnen? 
like bleach your hair? <laughs> Yeah, like frosted tips and stuff like that. Well, is that what you're like, talking about? It's like Guy Fieri, basically. Yeah. Like, but back then, like you wanted without what your hair would look like if you were a swimmer, and they swam in chlorine all the time, and it yeah. turned that way. Now, it was. I think the brand was called Sunnin, but you would basically bleach. The, I don't remember uh, that. I remember like frosted tips and, and stuff I, like that. I absolutely wanted to do that, and I, uh, I was never allowed to. I think frosted tips are actually coming back. I think they are. Are they? I think they are. I saw acid-washed jeans are coming back. I just bought a pair, actually. I saw those were coming back. I've been waiting for those to come back. That's, you know, that's our jam from back in the day. But I, I never got the bell-bottoms thing. I just, I just never understood it at all. I don't understand why those were attractive, why people wanted to wear, you know, jeans that they would, like, trip on. I just, I just never, never got that one. I never really embraced a, a fashion trend, um... And this is not really, I didn't do it for fashion, but you could call it an accessory. I just did it because it was functional and it made my life a little bit easier. I think this is also how my car got stolen a few years ago. Um, I had a lanyard, a blue lanyard that I'd put all my keys and stuff on. So it's not really, a fa- I guess you could call it a fashion accessory. And the darn thing, you know, it was just, I, I had it because it was really easy to pull my, my keys out of my pocket, especially during college when I have a ton of keys for myriad things that I was doing around campus. Uh, but I just kept it there just because I was used to it. The darn thing every now and then would catch on door handles. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that lanyard caught on the door handle of my apartment taking my car keys along with it and I just didn't notice until it was way too late and some meth heads got a hold of my car. Do you know what to do with that? I don't know what to do with that. I got I, my car back eventually. I, I respect this was some like a country song but very monotone and then it ended with the line until some meth heads got a hold of my car. And I don't I don't know where to go now now. Do you know what to say? I, I don't know what to Dave say. Dave Chappelle in one of his stand up acts said he has a fishbowl where he just throws in punchlines that he hasn't made the joke to yet. Mm-hmm. And then he'll just reach in and like see how good is he is at his craft. How can I turn this into a joke? I think that's how Aaron treats this whole segment. <laughs> You're giving me far too much credit. And I respect the hell out of it, by the way. Yeah, far too much credit. I still don't know where to go. <laughs> um, so, again, uh, we're going to stick around and record a little bonus theology Thursday. You don't have to be on meth, although it might help. It might help. Yeah. All right. It might help. Uh, but uh, we are going to uh, offer some bonus theology Thursday because the spirit of the age has provided a very teachable moment a very teachable moment and i think it's important for us as we are emphasizing um observing and understanding our enemy this year in theology thursday a real admission was made and we're going to talk about that here uh right after the show when we record the overtime for the rest of you we will see you again tomorrow noon to two eastern right after hall of famer glenn beck here on blaze tv until then john 317 This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.